Lord, you're a God who loves us and who is interested in meeting our needs. And my prayer is that you will use this part of scripture to speak very personally to those who come here bearing heavy burdens, who have broken hearts, who are facing things that seem unbearable. Lord, do a miracle of healing and turn our mourning into joy. For I pray in Christ's name, amen. Some time ago, we sang a chorus in worship that touched me deep where I feel things, and it sort of summarizes our message this morning. It goes like this. God makes a way when there seems to be no way. And what I thought was impossible, I've seen my God do. It seems most of us, most of the time, are confronted by some sort of impossibility. You probably are today. An impossibility that forces us to either totally trust Jesus Christ or fall into a kind of despair and panic. If I could give you a gift, if I could give all of us a gift today as believers, it would be the gift of being able to fully trust God. Because that's a lifetime journey for most of us. To reach a stage of maturity in our trust where we know our God is so powerful that literally nothing is impossible for him. To know that God always has one more move, no matter how black and grim things might seem. And to know that when we say to ourselves, I'm beaten, it's over, I can't go on, that that's exactly where God begins with his power and his grace and his love. What a treasure that would be if we could really possess that deep inside. Jesus constantly taught his disciples a truth that they never quite uh, got a hold of. And it was this, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. I think we're still in the process of learning that. In these days of terrorist attacks, violence in our homes and our streets, uncertainty in the economy, uncertainty in government, it's easy to be anxious, to be fear-filled, unless we have learned what it means to trust that Jesus is who he claims to be and will do what he promised to do. In our text, Paul is in prison, and yet he's reflecting an indomitable trust in his Lord that enables him to rejoice in that pit. Listen to his words. I will continue to rejoice, for I know through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What optimism. How unlike many of us when we're in the midst of an unbearable problem. The good news, you see, is that we who trust Jesus Christ can really believe there are no impossible situations. And I want us to study the support systems that enabled Paul to view his prison cell with hope and optimism and joy so you can leave here today and no matter what you're facing, be filled with a sense of joy and optimism and hope. First, Paul had this prayer support of his friends. He said, I'll continue to rejoice for I know through your prayers it's interesting to note where Paul's focus was when he sat in prison. And it wasn't on his walls. It wasn't on his situation. His focus was on God's almighty power expressed through his own prayers and through the prayers of his friends, which he requested. Paul was filled with a certainty as a result of him plugging into his God through prayer that no prison was strong enough to hold him and no decrees of Caesar strong enough to alter God's plans for his future. He just knew that. That confidence enabled him to rejoice. 
And that same confidence can be ours, and it can turn our morning into joy. I yearn for the kind of trust in God to take root in our hearts that we might become victors rather than victims when life's inevitable challenges confront us, and it will happen. As followers of Jesus, it isn't right for us to be burdened and worried and hand-wringers and stressed and pessimistic and hopeless like the rest of those who have no faith. We have a God who loves us, who's in control, and he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Our Lord said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, count on it, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, learning to trust God changes our response patterns when we're in tough times, as you might be today. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me, or how can I get out of this situation, with Paul, we might begin to ask, how is God going to use this happening to mature my faith, and how is he going to use this happening in my life to advance his kingdom, perhaps through influencing and encouraging other believers? It's interesting that even in this horrible pit that Paul was in, and I had the joy of visiting uh, where Paul supposedly was, and it was kind of in a hole in the ground with a sewer running through it, an unbelievable environment near Rome, that his, Paul's focus was not on the pit, on the problem. It was on his God, and he was also concerned about the welfare of other believers. So he, here he is praying, Lord, don't let me turn coward. Let me stay strong so I can glorify you and prove to people that you're real. And secondly, I want to be a model for other believers who are hurting. And I don't want to collapse. I want to encourage them. He was a servant even there in his need. And that's why he asked his friends to pray for him. So that his courage would be a blessing to his Lord and to those who prayed for him. Contrast that often with where we are when a problem hits. Isn't so often, even though we know better, our first focus is on me and how can I get out of this? How can I get healed of this? Why did it happen to me? And we have the big eye just sticking right there. And Paul is urging us if we want a support system that'll help us endure hard times, we've got to get it off of me and on God's power and on other people and how we can be a blessing to them. As I've grown in my dependence upon prayer, and those of you who know me know I have, I'm convinced that for the Christian, prayer is the alternative to panic and worry and despair and fear. Prayer is the greatest gift we can ever give to another person. It's better than trying to fix them. It's turning them over to the Lord with a burden too big for us to handle, but not too big for God. When we pray for a person, we assure them that God is the one who will provide for their needs. And I can't begin to describe how God has answers for my prayers that I prayed for myself and this church and how he's responded to your prayers here in the church for each other. Miracles are happening all around us. Prayer is one of the greatest realities in my life right now. As Jeremiah the prophet writes, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And he'll be like a tree planted by the water that send out its roots by the, by the stream it does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. Do you catch the metaphor? Here's a tree, there's a stream, and there's drought all around. 
But that tree isn't worried because its roots are going right into that stream that's never going to quit. And that's how we believers are. No matter what fire might be burning in our life, we have a resource through prayer we can tap into and helps us with, like Paul, to stay filled with joy and optimism and hope even if the world's collapsing around us. That's either the greatest hoax or it's the greatest fact of the Christian life. And I obviously opt for the latter. So often when I find myself in what I call a cul-de-sac of impossibility in my own life, when I pray and when I ask you to pray for me, God answers prayers in ways I, it's beyond my expectation, beyond anything I could imagine. You know, I'm convinced someday when we're in heaven and we look back on our life and we kind of evaluate what we did and what we didn't do, I'm convinced that one of the most neglected resources we're going to discover there is our neglect of prayer. We're going to probably say so many times, why did I carry that burden? Why did I worry about that child? Why did I worry about my health or my future financial? And I just pray more. I do think it'll be one of our neglected resources. As that great hymn suggests, oh, what peace we often forfeit. And what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer? Why don't we? Those are questions we need to ask. It isn't God who's reluctant to hear our prayers. It's us who hesitate to trust that he even cares. So a first support system to use when we're facing overwhelming challenges is to pray and to ask others to pray for us. It really works. And don't knock it if you haven't tried it. Secondly, Paul knew the support of the Holy Spirit. I will continue to rejoice for I know through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, here we hit another thing in this text. You know, if you're not into church too much, things like prayer, that seems a little weird. How do you talk to a God we haven't seen? And how can he run the universe and hear the prayer of every person? And now we talk about Holy Spirit and it almost sounds like Halloween. And uh, how, how do you handle that stuff? And you see... What we're talking about are realities that are only known through faith, and that's a form of knowledge. And as we get to know Jesus, instead of those being kind of weird, they're life's greatest realities, prayer. And then what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is nothing more than the presence of Jesus with us in the midst of our needs. Jesus said when he left us, I'll come back. I won't leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I'll come back as a comforter and a counselor. No person need to be, needs to be alone in our prisons of suffering. There is no personal difficulty that can lock out the power of the Holy Spirit if we're only open, as Paul was, to believe Jesus is there. <clears throat> and many of you, maybe in traumatic moments, facing surgery, facing grief, I've heard so many inputs, where you, you, you suddenly felt a presence and you just knew somehow you weren't alone and you were sustained in a way you can't describe, you just can experience. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit that maintained Paul's indomitable courage even in those impossible surroundings because he simply knew nothing could happen to him that ultimately would destroy God's ultimate plan for him. And meanwhile, he had the presence of Jesus with him. I found this description of the kind of comfort that we receive from the Holy Spirit that makes worry totally irrelevant in the life of a believer if we would wish that gift. Lazarus was unwrapped from his grave clothes 
And God can do the impossible. We have to break free from the grave wrappings of worry and doubt and fear. Nothing is impossible with our God. Worry is something we learn to do. There's no such thing as a born worrier. The good news is that since worry is a learned response to life, it can be unlearned. The starting point for overcoming worry is to realize it's useless. It does you no good to worry. It's stewing without doing. Worry has never changed anything. Worry cannot change the past. Worry cannot control the future. Worry only makes you miserable today. Worry has never solved the problem, never paid a bill, never cured an illness. It only paralyzes us so we can't work on the solution. Worry is like racing a car engine in neutral. It doesn't get you anywhere. It just uses up gas. <laughs> Actually, worrying rather than praying and trusting exaggerates the problem. It plays on our imagination. When I worry about a problem, it gets bigger. And the alternative to worry and fear are these resources Paul used. Prayer and the presence of the Holy Spirit in the situation with us. That's why the Bible urges us with these beautiful words of counsel. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and don't forget to thank him for his prayers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. And that's the peace we prayed that God would give you as a result of coming to worship today. <clears throat> now let me ask a practical question. Is it realistic to believe that the God of this universe, who created all the stars, calls them by name, created you and me, is it realistic that this God is so powerful and yet so personal that he knows everything that's going on in your life and that we can literally talk to him as we would with a good friend and he hears and responds? Jesus said that's true. That's what he came to reveal about God, that he isn't an impersonal blob up there. He's a father with a beating heart that loves every one of us so much. Jesus died for us. <clears throat> if that's true, what impact should that knowledge about God have upon our willingness to trust him? What impact should that have upon the very pain that you have today or you may have tomorrow? Listen to this promise from Isaiah the prophet. Listen to me, you whom I've upheld since you were conceived and carried since your birth. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, I'll carry you, I'll sustain you, and I will rescue you. What more do we need to know? Why are we anxious and burdened and stressed? Jesus said, I never will leave you or forsake you. And he won't. And his presence is all we need, even in the most stressful situations. I want you to know that. Finally, there's a reward for trusting our Lord. And that is we find his peace. Paul rejoiced in the peace he experienced in his prison cell by totally trusting the Lord. He said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. For Paul, Christ and his kingdom's work was literally his life. Take Jesus out of Paul's life and there would be nothing left. That was his reason for existence. 
He had answered life's important questions. Why am I here? What's important for me? What are my non-negotiable values? What drives me? Paul understood that following Jesus is not about self-fulfillment. It's about committing our lives to the building of our Lord's kingdom and so serving others as Jesus served them. His one focus was to be available for Jesus and to be available to serve others and in the process never be shamed into silence or cowardliness. And I'm so impressed. It didn't matter to him what happened to his life because he was a servant. He belonged to Jesus and he knew Jesus was in control of his future. And that's what he meant by this classic phrase, for me to live is Christ. I wonder if we answer the question, what does it mean for you to live? For me to live? What would our answer be? You know, at this point, last Tuesday when we were going over the sermon with the elders, we asked ourselves some serious questions. You know, Paul, it's marvelous what he's saying here, but you know, it's kind of super spiritual. It's kind of above all of us. I don't know about you, but I, in all honesty, I couldn't say, well, gee, you know, I'm so in love with Jesus. If I really had a choice, I'd choose to die today so I could be with him. Uh, I wish I could say that. I wish I was that certain. But frankly, I'd rather stay here and serve you. That's kind of where I am. And probably if you're honest, that's where we are. So how do we identify with this super spiritual guy, Paul, in prison? And we're trying to make our faith work in the practical problem where we are, but, but we aren't where he is. Well, we talked about that, and I have an answer. It's in, from Paul himself, and it's later in Philippians. He says, I have learned in whatever circumstance I am in to be content. That gives us hope. Paul didn't arrive at this super spiritual stage of trusting God overnight. In fact, as you think about his life, his trust grew through many experiences of God's faithfulness during times of shipwreck and beating and hunger and being forsaken by his friends and family. Paul took a long journey and many times he was filled with doubt and fear. But over the years, as he found our Lord so faithful, he finally learned, he arrived at this point where he could be such a truster. Of, if that's a word, of Jesus. And I think this gives us all hope. Christianity isn't about believing creeds and doctrines. It isn't about being good. It's about experiencing a personal relationship with Jesus, a friendship so intimate we're enabled to reach the breaking point and not break, even in the worst of circumstances. I think Paul had this in mind when he writes to the Corinthians, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed and broken. We're perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do, but we don't give up and quit. We're hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and we keep going. That's the Christian who trusts Jesus. And so the message of this text is, if we're Christians, we have staked our lives on the belief that Jesus is totally trustworthy. And if he isn't, we ought to bail out, you know? Either he is or he isn't. I want to challenge us with a familiar theme. Let's boldly trust Jesus. Even if every reason for trusting him right now seems really weak. Let's trust that Jesus is who he claims to be and will do what he promised to do. And then we'll get that priceless treasure called his peace. A peace that's expressed in two favorite hymns of mine. Drop thy still dews of quietness, 
till all our strivings cease. Take from our souls the strain and stress and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of thy peace. He giveth more grace when the burden grows greater. He sendeth more strength when labors increase. When we've, we've exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. How fantastic it is that we love and we trust the God for whom nothing is impossible. I think it's appropriate that we close our worship today and go to that God and perhaps take the very things that seem unbearable to us that we brought to church with us and we give them to Him and maybe find His peace. If you're looking for things to pray for beyond yourself, you know, let's remember the whole situation in Kosovo, the Middle East process, impossible things it seems, but not with God. Or perhaps other needs of someone else or perhaps your own needs that you just, your knees are buckling. Our God's ready. Let's go to Him and share some of these things with Him. Lord Jesus, that you're trustworthy. Thank you for putting up with us when we don't trust you. Thank you that even when we let go of you, you don't let go of us. Particularly for those here today who need to believe in you. Give them the grace to do it. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.